Welcome to the Radio 191 FM podcast. Coming up next, we have an interview by Mr. Andrew Geddes on the... On the on the on the on, on the, the election de- delay. On the election delay, I had the pleasure of interviewing him. And the high court decision that was interviewed by Michaela. So please join us for that. As many of you may have seen, the prime minister recently delayed the election in the wake of the recent COVID nineteen resurgence in the community. The original date of the election was the nineteenth of September, but that has now been moved to October seventeenth. Joining me to give us some legal and political insight into this rare occasion is Professor Andrew Geddes. How are you? Very good, thank you. Would you be able to enlighten us on the constitutional and legal processes that are in play in this situation? Sure. So the actual decision to move the election is pretty simple because the uh, Prime Minister has, under New Zealand practices, a complete uh, discretion as to when the election will be. It's one of the you know, perks of being the Prime Minister is that you can go to the Governor-General and tell the Governor-General, have the election on this day. And that uh, power exists right up until Parliament is dissolved. The Parliament being dissolved is essentially it gets um, you know, undone, it ends, and after it ends, then you have to have an election. So because Parliament had not been dissolved the Prime Minister's discretion to decide when the election remained intact. And when she gives that advice to the Governor-General, the Governor-General acts on it and just says, OK, the election will actually be the 17th of uh, October now. So from a legal perspective, it was all very simple. What is, of course, uh, more interesting is that, actually, I don't think there has been a case in New Zealand where the Prime Minister has said the election will be on one day and then changes their mind like this and has it on another day. So that aspect of it is completely novel. Uh, and, of course, it also throws the politics of the whole election into you know, complete um, chaos because parties now have a whole extra month of campaigning that they weren't really planning on. Uh, we have a whole extra month of the whole election process that wouldn't have existed otherwise. Yeah, just following on from that, what impact do you think there will be specifically around campaigning? I've seen some people worrying about the impact on minor parties, campaign budgets, whether this makes it fair that it's being extended? Yeah, so there's some uncertainty as to when the so-called regulated period, which is the time before an election where parties have limits on their budget, how much they're allowed to spend. There's some uncertainty as to how long that regulated period is actually going to last for. And it's interesting that after the announcement of the election date, the Electoral Commission, who's in charge of setting that regulated period, still hasn't come out and said when it started and how long it'll extend for. So at the moment, I think the parties are in a little bit of limbo because they're uncertain as to how much they're actually going to be allowed to spend right up to Election Day. My reading of the Act is that uh, the regulated period will go from being three months to now being four months long. So parties will have an extra month of campaigning but they'll have to do so within the existing spending caps. So they'll have to campaign for longer using the same amount of money that they would have under the old, uh, if the election date had stayed the same. Probably helps that some of the parties decided not to campaign at all. Exactly. So, I mean, there's a bit of savings, right? So, I mean, the election campaign seems to be pretty much on hiatus until the Auckland lockdown gets sorted out. So the parties pretty much aren't spending money at the moment, they'll start spending that again once everything kicks off again. 
Mm-hmm. And alongside that, the Prime Minister also made a promise that she wouldn't move the election date again um, and that she discussed, you know, the plans the Electoral Commission's making, but also what are the safeguards that are in place for if the election or the voting period in general is at a higher level, such as three or four, because I know the Electoral Commission has sort of prepared for level two. So the Prime Minister has said October the 17th is it, which is her way, I think, of getting people used to the idea that we might have an election that's affected by COVID. The Electoral Act has within it um, powers for the Chief Electoral Officer, who's the sort of non-partisan bureaucrat who runs elections, that person can delay the election if it would be unsafe for people to vote. So if come October the 17th, there's parts of the country are locked down and people can't get to the voting booth, the chief electoral officer can say, okay, for those parts of the country that's unsafe to vote in, election day is postponed. So that, you know, conceivably could mean that come October the 17th, some places can vote because we're under level two and it's safe. So you can vote perhaps in Dunedin, whereas other places can't vote because the health threat from COVID is too high. And so the election in those places will be delayed. If that happens, the votes that are cast in places like Dunedin and other places around the country get counted but they don't get publicly released until everybody's had the chance to vote. So that is an attempt to try to, you know, stop the election in essence being already decided before some people have the ability to vote. And just finally, we've discussed sort of the political and the legal in terms of the voting period and how COVID's impacted it, but what is your opinion on how politicking has been going on around this decision to delay the election? It was very interesting to see the the attempts to kind of, you know, uh, situate, the parties attempt to situate themselves with regard to the election decision. Um, the opposition was quite keen for a delay um, because, you know, the longer that COVID stretches out, the bigger the chance is that the government stuffs it up. And if the government stuffs it up, the better the opposition may do. Uh, the Greens were very keen just to get on with it, um, you know, on the argument that, look, we'll never have a good time to vote. Uh, Jacinda Ardern, and I think, you know, I'm going to give her real credit here. She, I think she could have pushed through and had a September election, and people probably would have gone along with it. There may have been a bit of grumbling, but I think people would have kind of gone, oh, you know, screw it, let's at least get this one thing out of the way. She did, however, I think, take seriously the concerns that were expressed about how fair that would be. And, you know, that if we'd had an election September the 19th, with the government getting all the benefit of, you know, leading the country through another outbreak, that just may not have looked fair and just may not have been accepted. And so she put it back a month. Um, She's given the opposition more time to, you know, hammer her. And, you know, there are things that, you know, the government probably should be hammered on. Um, But I think it will produce an outcome that more of the country is prepared to stand behind and accept. And that, in the end, is what you want from elections. Just diverting a little bit to some more recent news, I would just like to hear your thoughts perhaps about the recent High Court judgment that concluded that the first nine days of lockdown was illegal. Could you explain that a bit? A case was brought to the High Court challenging the uh, lockdown level four, level three, the lockdown we went through back in March and April. Uh, It had a few bits to it. Uh, One part of it was challenging the overall legality of the lockdown as a whole. 
and argued that the statute, the Health Act, that gives power to take action when there's some sort of disease outbreak didn't actually extend so far as to allow for the full lockdown measures that were uh, undertaken. So that basically was a claim that all the kind of, you know, stay at home, stay in your bubble, don't go outside and so on, you couldn't actually impose those restrictions under the Health Act. The High Court rejected that and said, look, the Health Act actually does allow that sort of thing to happen. There was then another part to the challenge, which was, well, okay, even if the Health Act does allow for those sort of actions, for the first nine days of the lockdown, there was no order, no sort of formal uh, requirement for people to stay in their houses and, you know, uh, not visit each other and so on and so on. Uh, And so what the High Court has said is, yeah, that's true. For the first nine days, the government hadn't actually put out an order that specifically told people stay inside, you know, stay in your bubble, all those things. So when the Prime Minister and Ashley Bloomfield and so on got up and told everyone, you have to do this, they were telling people you must do something that the law did not actually require. And so the High Court has said that for those first nine days, the government was instructing people to act in a way that the law didn't actually require them to act, and so therefore the government had acted unlawfully in those first nine days. But while the High Court has said that, it also basically said, look, the government could have put this order in place, and in fact it did after nine days, it did put such an order in place, and also that the government was telling us to stay inside for a very good reason. There was a really, it was justification for what it was saying. So it's kind of a, yeah, look, you technically didn't follow the right formal legal procedures, but it's kind of a no harm, no foul situation. Similar of just a slap on the wrist and a... Yeah, so essentially it's the High Court you know, serving warning to the government that, look, you know, you probably should pay attention to the formal legal niceties here. You know, try to, you know, act in a legal way, and we, the court, can watch out and call you up if you don't. But at the same time, the High Court's part of the team of five million. The High Court, as you know, frankly, was on the government's side in this case. And so the High Court wasn't going to go out and sort of call the government out and say, look, you guys really screwed up. Great. Well, thank you for talking with us today. I'm sure this period in time will provide plenty of material for legal academics and political academics alike. Absolutely. We'll talk about it for quite some time, I think. This was a Radio 191 FM podcast. All of our content lives online at r1.co.nz.